We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Uh, Andrew, welcome. It is uh, good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Thanks, Kyle. It, it we we have a preseason game under our belt, and man, it does feel great to talk about football again. Um, but I believe it's confession time for you, Kyle. How did you feel about the game tonight? <laughs> this is uh, one of my favorite games that I've uh, ever watched. I uh, just found it really, really riveting, and uh, just can't wait to talk about it. Um, the actual truth of the matter is that I have not watched a second of this game, which is really, really terrible for someone who is now hosting this podcast, telling all of you wonderful Packer fans about the game. Um, I am moving to Michigan tomorrow, so I have been busy packing a 26-foot truck all day. And so Andrew graciously uh, is doing his his end of the bargain by holding our content tonight, and I'm just here to kind of host. And so I, along with you, the listeners, am just about to... Uh, just find out what happened tonight. So I'm really excited uh, to get into this game and learn a little bit here. 
And and you might notice that Kyle's sound is is a bit echoey. Um, why is that, Kyle? There is literally nothing left in my house. Um, I am the last thing I have to pack is my podcast equipment here, my computer, and I am actually sitting on a toolbox uh, because I have no chairs left in the house. So there is a little bit of an echo, I'm sure, and so I apologize for that. I, I appreciate everyone putting up with that tonight. Yeah, it's more like the Packed Today podcast. Oh, that's a, that's a nice uh, nice fun there, Andrew. Well yeah. done. I like I, I like to try. But anyways, um, so the Packers do win tonight, uh, 28-26. Uh, final scores don't really matter in preseason, but um, if you're keeping track at home and if you watch till the final second like I did, uh, you, you, <laughs> you see the Packers eke out a victory at the end by recovering an onside kick. Um and so first thing we, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to break down the offense, the defense, the special teams, but just so the listeners know, these impressions are totally off the cuff. We are recording immediately after the game and typically you and I would split the roster apart. And so I would break down the offense or maybe the defense and I would write my thoughts when the other unit was on the field and you were breaking down the team. Uh, so no such luck tonight, but um, some of my opinions may end up being off after some further tape breakdown. So just an advance warning. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I have looked at the box score a little bit. So, you know, obviously the box score tells the entire story of the game. But I see that, you know, it looks like Tim Boyle is slinging some touchdowns and looks like Kaiser might have even been efficient. I don't know. So I'm excited for you to get into. I know you want to start with the offense, but uh, let's talk about these quarterbacks a little bit and tell me what I missed and what I have to look forward to watching uh, when I get to this game a little bit later on. Yeah, I thought Deshaun Kaiser looked sharp at times. I was really impressed with a string of plays in the first quarter. And and these were two stupid plays, but um, (laughs) I think this shows the growth and maturation of Kaiser. On the first, the quick screen just wasn't there. And he simply threw the ball into the ground. And valuing possession shows some maturity in his game. And the second play, he quick snaps the ball and catches the Texans offside. So... You know, that's that's the positives. And obviously he had some really good throws. But when it comes to decision making, that's someplace where Deshaun has definitely needed some improvement. But I I did say it looked sharp at times. As always, the problems arise when it comes to accuracy and consistency. And there was a simple check down in the second quarter to Danny Vitale, which goes flying over his head. And yes, it wasn't going to go for a first down anyways, but pro quarterbacks have to be able to hit that throw more often than not. Kaiser did recover. He had a nice drive that led to a touchdown pass. He moved around in the pocket, and despite a couple of bad routes and drops, he he ended up making a really nice toss to Darius Shepard on the run. Um, And then Tim Boyle comes in in the second half, and he had some struggles. He also has consistency issues, just like Kaiser did. You you would see a perfect throw on that touchdown to Alan Lazard, but he also missed some easy opportunities. He didn't get enough loft on several of his red zone throws, and he missed tail Redding on a route where he was breaking wide open down the field for a touchdown. And, you know, I really like the moxie and the athleticism displayed by Manny Wilkins, but it's hard when he's playing cleanup duty to really get an accurate assessment of what he brings to the table because they're not letting him throw very much. His offensive line play is not fantastic. And, you know, he, he I, I don't think he has the receivers on the field to really make much of a difference. 
Sure. That sounds interesting. I'm excited to kind of get back and see that because it did look like uh, uh, Boyle's stat line actually looks like limited opportunity, but looks better than what you described. So I'm interested to check that out. Um, if we're going to move on to running backs, I did see that Dexter Williams stat line looked kind of impressive. Was it was it that way on the field? Did it look as impressive as it looked in the stat line? Yeah, I would say, you know, the Packers struggled to run the ball tonight um, overall, uh, but Dexter Williams looked really good. Um, and so if if I was going to hand out an MVP of this game, it would probably be Dexter Williams. He, he looks great with the ball in his hands. Of course, you know, when it comes to rookie running backs, it's the stuff they do when they don't have the ball in their hands that often makes a big difference. He's quick. He has that uh, really nice ability to make players miss in the hole, which is going to be super important in LaFleur's scheme. In the second, he has a beautiful catch and acceleration on a really slowly developing screen pass. And Kyle, I know you like Trey Carson probably more than I do, but I was impressed with the power he runs with. He got stonewalled at the goal line on the first drive of the second half, but the blocking in front of him was not particularly inspiring. And Darren Hall had a chance to make a big play on a screen pass kind of late. He drops it, you know, and, and that's going to be frustrating as a a guy that just came into camp who's trying to win a roster spot and, and you kind of mess up the one opportunity that you had. Yeah, it looks like uh, Dexter Williams, you know, did get the opportunities tonight. And obviously with the, the injuries and, you know, the circumstances kind of surrounding the running back situation, he's going to. But the 4.4 yards per carry, again, I'm just going based off the uh, the box score and the stat line here. But that's that's a good start for a rookie that you want to see right out of the gate. Absolutely. Um, and then I wanted to transition the wide receivers a little bit. Um, Kumar with a nice in-cutting route uh, had the uh, big first down in the first drive of the game. And as much as it pains me to say this, he has solidified his spot on the roster. He's making contested catches against Bradley Roby, who just signed a huge free agent deal. Uh, Jim Moore slipped coming out of a route, which prevented a big gain. He also um, then came back with a nice win on a route later in the drive. But it was concerning to me, e- even on that catch, yeah, he bobbled it. He had double catch it. He'll get blamed for the drop later, but it wasn't a particularly good throw from Kaiser. But still, for a guy fighting for a roster spot, it wasn't a good look. And then you go into the second half, and Moore gets totally bailed out by a penalty because he inexcusably dropped a easy touchdown pass. Uh, he recovered with the touchdown catch three plays later, but he has got to get those hands figured out very, very quickly to have a chance to make this team because Jake Comero has already streaked past him. And I just don't know if a guy with his particular skill set is going to be able to win a six wide receiver position when the Packers don't have an identifiable returner elsewhere on the roster. Darius Shepard had a really nice outstretched catch on the touchdown where he had to put his quite frankly his well-being on the line um he not only made a nice catch but he was able to get down and then protect himself from a huge hit coming from the safety just a really athletic play and a nice showing for a guy who might have to settle for a practice squad spot because of that depth that wide receiver we're talking about tay redding had a nice route in the third where he could have had an easy touchdown but like i said tim boyle didn't quite put enough air under the ball 
Alan Lazard had some struggles getting the ball in the red zone series, and quite frankly, I'd expect more from a 6'5 guy to be able to box out smaller defenders, but he did make that fantastic catch on the seam route against who else but number 32 for the Texans, Lonnie Johnson Jr., nice. who the Packers definitely seem to be targeting on that drive, so, so that was fun. Um, with all this talent at receiver, you almost have to wonder if they end up being able to deal a guy or two for some late draft picks. In, in fact, what I was thinking about during the game, the Texans have major needs at wide receivers. So this week might have ended up being a, a little bit of an audition for some of Green Bay's depth at wide receiver. I want to ask you really quick, because I didn't uh, see a lot of notes on uh, Equinemia St. Brown, and I saw his stat line was pretty empty. Um, is there? I didn't see any of the receivers with more than two catches in the game. So was there a reason for that? Was that limited opportunity, or did he show some uh, some mistakes throughout the game, or how did that go? Yeah, I didn't really see a lot of equanimous. You know, usually if if I'm uh, really scouting the unit and and not scrambling, um, you know, I'd watch a few of the routes that don't go their way, or I'd stop the game and rewind it a little bit, and I didn't have that opportunity. Sure. Um, the offensive line had some struggles early. I think um, you know. At, Equinemius had a fumble recovery for a touchdown on special teams, but oh, nice. out, outside of that, didn't make much noise on offense. Okay. Um, so then uh, moving on, tight end, Robert Tanyan had a beautiful route and athletic catch for a big game down the seam. And and I'm thinking, you know, Aaron Rodgers has to love seeing that. And the continued development of Tanyan and the potential for other tight ends in Matt LaFleur's offense has to have him drooling to get on the field with Jimmy Graham. Um, Evan Bayless had a nice fake block release for a catch in the third quarter. Outside of that, didn't see a lot from the tight ends. Not Just not a lot of opportunities there. Um, and then the offensive line was pretty hard for me to evaluate, but the the starters on the interior were were all right. They held up okay. Um, I thought Alex Light was solid. Gerard DeBeer looked a little out of his element as a quote-unquote starter, although more accurately, probably a mix of first and second stringers from the Texans that he was going up against. Um, Eldon Jenkins looked the part. He made a really strong first impression on me. The backup squad was getting pushed around a little bit in the third quarter, and the running game took a major hit at that point, but... Um, I thought Justin McCray and, and Cole Madison, while they struggled overall, um, it, it was a little bit of a comeback um, as as they adjusted into the game. Yash Nijman absolutely swallowed up an edge in the fourth on a huge Dexter Williams run. And he looked really good on the running plays. Um, I wasn't able to scout him as much in, in pass pro, but he is a massive human being. And I just really, really, really want him to make it to the practice squad. I, I think he absolutely has the potential to be a really good player. Um, if not a starter, maybe, maybe a solid backup tackle. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that you have to get on that practice squad and give him a year of development to, to really get the most out of him. That's exciting, and I'm excited to go back and watch this, especially the running game, and see a little bit more of Dexter Williams and to see how this uh, offensive line is gelling and those kinds of things. So uh, let's flip a little bit here, and let's uh, talk maybe a little bit about your impressions uh, from the defensive side of things um, and how that part of the game went. Yeah, and um, so there was a first-quarter sack by Reggie Gilbert, but what I noticed on that play was Montrevious Adams blew up two blockers. And he was the one that really forced Joe Webb up into the pocket that allowed Gilbert to get to him. And that's the kind of dominant play Green Bay is going to need from Adams to make up for the loss of Mike Daniels. For me, Tyler Lancaster was just sort of there for a lot of the game. He missed a tackle on the Crockett touchdown run. And yeah, at that point, he was gassed because the Texans were moving 
pretty quickly. Um, but if he's going to be more than just a player in the NFL, he has to be able to make plays against a pretty weak Houston offensive line. Kingsley Kiki had a strong start. He showed good contain on several of the running plays, and he had some pressures on the quarterback. I, I also really liked what James Looney was able to provide. He he had good pressure on the quarterback, played solid against the run, which would would seemingly be the weak point of his game. Uh, the depth on this unit really showed up later in the game, and I, I thought helped the Packers take over a little bit. Um, the edge group, they seem to be missing some athleticism, Kyle. Um, that <laughs> could have been improved. You know, if they had a guy mm-hmm. like Von Miller or maybe somebody <laughs> comparable to him with his athletic measurements on the team. I, I wondered but, how long oh, it would take. Oh, <laughs> wait. They just cut Kendall Donerson. I was waiting to see how long we got into this episode before you brought that up. We we, we got there, everybody. <laughs> we found I the moment. Better hope I don't see him at the grocery store because we are going to have words. Oh, my gosh. Mistake. I'm what so a- sorry. So, I, actually, I appreciate that all of Twitter, like the first thing that they thought of when they saw Kendall Donerson, they were like tweeting at me. They were like, check on Andrew Mertig. <laughs> how is that guy? I got to be honest. So I woke up this morning in Washington, D.C. I, I was on vacation all of this week and we flew back this morning and I, I am in a golf league. And so we go out and I, I never look at my phone when I'm golfing. And I got done and we went into, you know, the restaurant bar um, and I pulled out my phone and I saw all of these Twitter notifications. I'm like, what on earth happened? Like, I've sent <laughs> no tweets today. I've been traveling all day. And <laughs> so so the outpouring of sympathy for me uh, and the Donerson family is much appreciated, yeah. uh, I have to say. Um, so, you know, hopefully... Nobody claims Kendall and he can maybe get on, you know, IR and, and come back to Green Bay where he will inevitably become a really impact player in this league. Absolutely. Uh, Future but, Hall of Famer, Kendall Donerson. Okay, let's not get crazy. <laughs> All right. It probably but, has number retired, but like, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. Anyways, um, to evaluate the edge rushers that are actually on the team, uh, Kyler Fackrell and Rashawn Gary spent a lot of the early parts of the game rushing too far upfield and allowing Joe Webb to step up in the pocket. So, you know, clearly that was their, their, uh, they, they, they were dedicating their performance to Clay Matthews, who's no longer with the team by rushing way too far up the field and letting everything go past them. Yeah. Shout um, out. Yeah. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, Rashawn Gary, I think once he settled in, he showed a lot of those tools that that make him um, a potential impact player in his rookie year. And and so hopefully that that will continue. Fackrell got absolutely shook by Joe Webb in the open field on a first hour on. It was really actually embarrassing. And then Joe Webb proceeded to do that about 14 more times to different Packer defenders throughout the game. So. Maybe Fackrell gets a pass for that, but um, the Texans, Texans offensive line is really bad, and I've mentioned this before, and they were the ones that really kept Webb clean in the first half, and and that, to me, wasn't a super impressive performance by the pass rushers. Some of that was aided by some vanilla um, pass rushes, and some of that was just the fact that the Texans were happy to uh, get the ball out of Webb's hands pretty quickly, and of course, he's very elusive. Um, if, if, uh, or, or moving on to Reggie Gilbert, he whiffed again on Joe Webb. 
that went uh, on a third and long and allowed him to run for a first down. This was a continuing theme throughout the game. Um, Gilbert did have a really nice bull rush to start the second half, and he forced Webb to run around enough that created a holding penalty. Uh, Randy Ramsey, the undrafted rookie from Arkansas, got a sack. He he was totally unblocked on the play, um, but he showed some impressive burst for a guy that we thought had kind of limited athleticism and finished off Joe Webb, which nobody else in green jerseys seemed to be able to do throughout the game. So kudos to you, Randy Ramsey. Uh, from the off-ball linebacker perspective, Ty Summers was very sound in his assignments. He showed some nice explosiveness. He has a place on this roster, um, but the Oren Burks injury makes an already thin unit much thinner. We'll wait for news to break on, on the severity of that. Curtis Bolton had some struggles throughout the first half, but on the final drive, um, did a nice job of undercutting a route and tipping it away. James Crawford, to me, didn't really flash. I thought the unit as a whole, um, and this includes Ty Summers as the game went on, just really struggled in their zone assignments. Brady Shelton made a nice play on the ball um, and got what we thought was an interception and then a fumble by him. Um, but it just ended up being a really fancy incompletion <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh nice. it, and uh, moving on to the defensive backs, Kadar Holman had a great undercut of a route in the first quarter, and he continues in his impressive camp. Um, love that interception. I, I really liked what I continued to see out of Tony Brown, who I said was my breakout candidate on defense. So a little bit of bias there by me. Will Redmond had some nice flashes, but on the long touchdown drive in the second quarter, there were plenty of plays where Redmond and Natural Jamerson and others got beaten very quickly. Chandon Sullivan had a nice play on wide receiver screen where he got in the backfield and blew up the play. And then Sullivan also had an interception where he uh, dropped off into coverage and, 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 uh, you know, snagged that from, from a wide receiver that he wasn't covering, but um, Joe Webb probably should have never thrown that pass. And that can be said of several passes from Mr. Webb. Uh, KB and Ento had really nice coverage on a sideline route where he deflected it away right before halftime. Um, and at safety, a lot of sort of not sure what the impact was. Raven Green had a, a brilliant strip of Taiwan Jones, uh, creating a fumble and a turnover there. I'm not really sure if we should be talking about Green with the safeties or the linebackers, but for a team that seemed allergic to turnovers last year, that was really refreshing to see some interceptions, some uh, one fumble. Uh, well, really two if you count special teams. So um, impact plays on defense, uh, probably too many yards given up. But, you know, most yeah. starters didn't play. All right. So, hey, for somebody who's been living under a rock today. What happened with Oren Burks? Can you tell me like a little bit, you know, I know we don't know what the severity of the injury is, but what did it look like and uh, uh, any clue there, Andrew? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, they they kind of got him off the field quick. He came he he came off under his own power. So hopefully, you know, it's okay. With the lack of depth at inside linebacker, you know, I think the Pack of Day team has talked about this quite a bit over the last few weeks. That's the one position where you just can't afford to lose somebody. Blake Martinez, of course, you know, the colossal drop off after him is scary. Um, Oren Burks probably is number two right now. And from what I saw from the other inside linebackers tonight, you do not want them playing on the starting unit if you don't have to. Now, we didn't see Josh Jones tonight. We saw very limited amounts of Raven Green. So maybe they provide a little bit more depth than, you know, some of the other players. 
Yeah, interesting. When you said that, that's that's immediately where my mind went to. Just you know, even if we don't know anything about the injury, you just start to worry because you know there's a lot of question marks behind those initial guys for sure. Um, you, you would have to think that even if it was very minor, that they would be really extra cautious with Oren Burks, who probably wasn't going to play much longer than what he was in the game, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely hope for the best there. And uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about everybody's favorite spot. Let's talk about some special teams and who stood out maybe a little bit uh, on that unit tonight. Yeah, you're certainly hoping for a big improvement going from Ron Zook to Sean Menenga this year. But uh, uh, it was a dicey night, uh, you, <laughs> you know, and you'll see that in the preseason, of course, because there's a lot of players coming in and out and, and maybe playing um, in spots that they're not super comfortable with. But Jewel Davis made a really poor choice on a kick return where he sort of caught it, hesitated deep in the uh, end zone and then decided to bring it out anyways. And then, of course, there was a block in the back because, of course, there was. Um, Tail Redding fumbled on a kick return in the fourth quarter. Not a great look there. Uh, J.K. Scott had a really good night. He, he had a nice first punt. James Crawford and Kyler Fackrell had nice punt coverage. So actual special teams players out on the field um, for that first punt. On his second, he had a huge hang time. Kiki Kuti couldn't handle it. And a nice job by Economius getting on the ground or getting down as a gunner getting on the ground and making the recovery. Scott had a really strong night punting. I think the improvement in the second season is something that we should be encouraged by and look forward to. And I'm hoping Sean Menengo lets him unleash his leg more than Ron Zook did, because to me, Zook really valued hang time more than distance. And I'd like to see the guy with the huge leg just get a chance to drill some. Uh, Mason Crosby looked good despite the injury. He did have one kickoff that went out of bounds, so that's not thrilling. Um, but it was interesting to me that Sam Ficken got to kick the second extra point, and they really just went back and forth throughout the game on kicks. That would lead me to believe this might be more of a true kicker contest than just, you know, Ficken being camp fodder um, and giving Crosby a rest during his, his injury. Hunter Bradley didn't have any glaring issues, always a super positive for long snappers. Um, and he actually made a nice tackle in the open field, so... Um, you know, up and down on special teams. Okay. Um, I would love to just, I, we're kind of at the beginning of this preseason process and it's really hard for us to say, Hey, this guy's stock is up. This guy's stock is down with any kind of measurable consequence because it is so early, but I'm curious, you know, when you just watch this game, is there, are there some overall impressions that stick out to you? Um, guys that just really did well for themselves and maybe some guys that maybe even struggled a little bit that just have that, uh, in your mind right now. Yeah, and of course, without seeing many of the true starters, it can be difficult to make an accurate team evaluation, but the second team defense was really rough at times. There were way too many missed tackles throughout the game. However, they came up with some key turnovers. It, it's nice to know the defense realized that it is actually legal to take the ball away from the opponent um, after <laughs> what was a debacle last season in the turnover uh, department. Deshaun Kaiser, to me, had an overall impressive night. Certainly, there's still some issues, but I'd be much more comfortable with him as a backup after seeing some potential development from um, a quarterback that's, quite frankly, is still very young. Um, and I think, you know, Tim Boyle looked all right, too. So, um, you know, that 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 competition maybe can we can be a little bit more optimistic about it than we were. I think Dexter Williams really separated himself further as the third running back and and maybe potentially eating into some of those Jamal Williams carries. 
Jake Kumaro just keeps stringing success together, and he may actually have a legitimate shot as a third or fourth receiver. He's beating real NFL starting cornerbacks on pretty regular basis. And he's he's not doing it with separation. You know, he's making those contested catches that you have to amongst the better corners in the league. Tackle depth is really sketchy. <laughs> and with the news of Jason Spriggs this week, it just, you know, not that anybody was super confident in Spriggs, but who is the backup tackle? Uh, and, and so that... That's scary. Um, inside <laughs> linebacker and backup tackle definitely are the things that worry me the most if if you're going to throw something out there. And special teams was kind of sloppy. Uh, Sean Menenga certainly wouldn't be happy with all of the flags that were out there. So, you know, there, there were some definite positives. Turnovers, that's awesome. Um, Dexter Williams looked really good. I thought the offense got some things going. I think back quarterbacks maybe a little bit better, but, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur in his press conference, I'm sure right now is identifying things like penalties and missed tackles that you just can't have if you're going to be a good NFL team. Okay. Well, it's fun to uh, talk about football again. It's fun to talk about the Green Bay Packers again and to hear kind of the building blocks are in place. Obviously, there's a lot of things that the Packers are going to want to work out, uh, that Coach LaFleur is going to want to work out. Uh, but you can see it sounds like the building blocks are in place for this team to build on going into next week and as they continue uh, to work on all of this, especially uh, considering things like questions at tackle and questions at linebacker, things that we now are very aware of and will be keeping tabs on and storylines that will follow throughout the preseason but exciting stuff exciting to be here in august and in some preseason football conversation but uh, that is all the time that we have for today this has been the pack a day podcast you can find me on twitter at packer underscore pundit and you can find andrew at andrew mertig remember you can follow pack a day podcast as well uh, please sub- subscribe to the podcast rate the podcast if you like what we're doing tomorrow's episode will be hosted by jake and mark you can uh, catch me and Andrew every single Friday, and we'll be back next week with a breakdown of the Packers' second preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening. And as always, remember...
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.